So the last time we did a podcast, uh, Mike Babcock was still head coach at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Jolon was traveling the world. I lived in a different house. In fact, all three of us are on the podcast today, lived in different houses. We've all moved to different places and Matt got someone pregnant. Um, fortunately, his wife. Um, so there's a lot of things have changed, but what has also happened is that we've had four months without hockey and now it's back. There's a lot for us to talk about from the East to the West to how did Jolon survive in a youth hostel and a camper van? There are so many things that we want to catch up with. Uh, Welcome back. Cue the music. Here we go. So, Jolon, how are you? You know, you missed the first like few months when we started back at the very start of this season because you went off to travel the world. How was it? Well, it ended well because uh, we did not not at the end of the trip, but me and my then girlfriend are now me and uh, my fiance. So we did get engaged. Though the yes. the, the uh, camper van experience was a positive one. Um, Great. I would have said it was a deal breaker, but it's good that she said yes after spending three months in a camper van with me. Um, yeah, I mean, hearing you say that, uh, that the last time you guys spoke and the last time I was a listener, Mike Babcock was in charge. That feels like a very long time ago. It does. I mean, I guess like we should, I should kind of explain what happened was just life happened. You know, people were like, I thought you guys were gone. You'd packed up and left and it wasn't my intention. It's just that with moving house, I had a lot of stuff going on with my business. Uh, my mom fell seriously ill and sometimes life has to be put on hold um, and hockey has to be put on hold and you just need to just figure out what is the most important thing at the time. So Little, did, had little to... did you know, life was about to literally go on hold. Absolutely. About a month after that. Yeah. So it, it's like, you know, the pause that came with lockdown allowed me to catch up on not just life and a bit of sleep, but it also allowed me to catch up on what I'd missed in some of the hockey season. Um, we should say hi to Matt as well. Matt Day's with us. So Matt, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what what's happened for you since November? Uh, yeah, so we're expecting our first child and we've moved house and I've been working from home for like the last four months and it's just, yeah. So looking forward to getting back to a bit of hockey and, and maybe some normality of some sort. Matt, <laughs> are you going to be calling it Jamie or Ben? It's a girl. Ah, oh, oh, they could have Jamie's a girl's name too. That's true. That is true. And that Ben, true. spell it, spell it differently. Throw in an oh, E. Endelina. Oh, <laughs> ben, I've, I've kind of, I've run this through in my mind what I'm going to do about you know potentially one day in the future naming a child. And <laughs> I reckon for about three years leading up to that event, I'm going to stop mentioning any Toronto Maple Leafs players' names, so I therefore cannot be held accountable to the fact that I'll be trying to get our future child to be named after a maple leaf you'll never hear me utter the word austin wow i can see you having a marinchin 
<laughs> he will still be a leaf. I can have a child in six years' time and he will still be a leaf. What I find very strange is that his first name is Martin. I don't know why, but there's someone whose second name is like so cool. I didn't expect him to be called Martin. And I'm sorry if you're listening and your name is Martin. I just thought might be something a bit more exciting but anyway um if you're if you're new to us welcome this is nhl fans from afar um i'm claire he's joe long we've been doing this thing for what maybe a season two seasons i can't even remember but we are basically just a bunch of fans who don't happen to live in north america um and somehow spend our early hours on our own in our pajamas trying to shout quietly whilst our teams play ice hockey. Um, and yeah, to the few years ago, we didn't all know each other. Now we do. Um, and there's a whole team of other people who we've connected with who are fans, uh, East, West, all over the world, from Australia to Taiwan to Belgium to the UK, who also share this passion for NHL. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at NHL Fans From Afar. Uh, you can email us, NHLFansFromAfar at gmail.com um, so we should declare our interest let's set the scene then for people who may not have listened to us before I am a Toronto Maple Leafs fan uh, Joe Lon I'm guessing people might have guessed which team you support I too am a Boston uh, Toronto Maple <laughs> Leafs fan wow you don't there's no swearing in this podcast just to <laughs> clarify that's how um, we met wasn't it oh we were on a night shift claire we happened to work in the same building in the same radio station at the time and we met on a night shift and started talking toronto maple leafs and that's how this podcast was born yeah and 10 days later we started a podcast yeah, it's insane yeah. isn't it Good. matt who are your team uh dallas stars and <laughs> jolly good team to be following this season i imagine uh we will see uh it's going to be interesting we uh lost our last three games before lockdown so uh we're going into it with the biggest losing streak uh, along with montreal so yeah <laughs> does form mean anything in this <laughs> we will see well, um, we have a few comments from people. Um, we put out some tweets this afternoon talking about what are people's thoughts? What are people's predictions? Um, I mean, I was also looking up uh, what, what one thing would you take into the NHL bubble if you were going? Um, the reason I, I saw that was because I saw they started doing like the kind of um, bubble life videos, haven't they? And Mitch Marner was featured in, in a video and he'd said he's taken in his pillow. I was like, they have pillows, probably really good ones at the uh, hotel. Why are you taking your pillow? I mean, it looked like quite a nice one. It wasn't like kind of a bit yellow and crusty, something that he's had since he was four years old, like his little blankie. But what a weird thing to take in. Like, what would you take in? But, yeah, but if you're Mitch Marner and like, everything else is going to be in there. So actually, I kind of, like you, saw that pillow and thought, oh, come on. But then actually, what, what would you, what could you take in? And then it got oh. me to thinking what I would want to take in, like your question said. And I sat there for about an hour today trying to think what one item I would take in. And I had the horrible realisation that my entire life revolves around my smartphone and all entertainment, whether it be podcasts, books, reading, all my subscriptions to various magazines, everything like that, all is through my smartphone. So as long as I can take my smartphone and maybe like three chargers just in case I lose one or two, 
then I'd be fine for three months. Not even like a jigsaw, a puzzle you book. Do that. Th- that's the problem because you could take a book, but then you'd read it, and then that'd be it. It's done. You take a jigsaw, that'd be it. You'd read it. You, you, you just need something that's going to keep churning out the entertainment. And the only <laughs> thing I could think of was my smart bane, which is a terrible view on my life. That that is the only thing that I would really want. Yes. Um, and I'm assuming Mitch Marner did bring his smartphone in as well. I'm pretty sure it wasn't an and or of the other pillow or smartphone. So yeah, I could. I genuinely couldn't think of anything. Couldn't think of anything. About pack of know. cards. That's quite versatile. Yeah, but someone else would have them, wouldn't they? Someone else would already have I'd, them. I'd be like the rest of the players that all seem to have taken their games consoles. Yeah. And they're, and they're yeah. all complaining about the strength of the internet in the hotels. <laughs> it's the first thing they're all complaining about, and I think I'd be exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be that would be a good one. Yeah. Well, see, the phrase that Mitch Marner also said in this interview, which I thought is is a good place for us to uh, jump off, was get get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Um, I can't imagine it. It's uh, the nicest situation for players, for the broadcasters to kind of go in, say bye to their family for what could be five weeks, who knows how long it could be. Um, And the testing. I'm not sure I would want people poking things up my nostrils and the back of my throat every few hours, every few days. Uh, But if that's what it takes to get it going, if that's what it takes for us to appreciate our sport, and that's that's what we got to do, right? Um, it's been really interesting, I think, in the last couple of weeks, watching what's happening in the NBA, in baseball as well. Um, have you guys kind of followed any of those sports to kind of pick up on things to look out for when the NHL bubble season kicks off? I haven't followed any of the actual kind of sports themselves. I don't really follow baseball, but I've been reading kind of the stories around it and how they have they seem to have just gone a completely different path and I was I was watching an interview today with uh he was I think he's head coach of um of one of the teams and I can't remember uh, which team it is but he had a he has a heart condition and he was describing how he kind of you know he fears for his own safety and his players safety at the moment in that environment and because you know they're still traveling as far as I'm aware and and what the NBA and the NHL have done seemingly anyway at this point has given themselves the best chance to succeed. And by succeed, you almost think if you take the viewpoint away from your own team and supporting your own team, success for the NHL is getting through this period of time, the playoffs and to the finals with zero COVID-19 positive tests. That is success, really. We're talking about, you know, what's it going to look like on TV? What's it going to be like without fans? There's all these interesting things that we're going to we're gonna follow from afar and, and we'll comment on and we'll have opinions on how the play is going to get on in this bubble. But actually, really, if we can get through to the point where the Stanley Cup is lifted and there have been zero tests. And I mean, what great news for the NHL this week when they said that after the last round of testing, there were zero cases. And I know there was a lot of nervousness around teams in this particular period because this was where everybody was training all over the US, all over the States, sorry, all over Canada as well. And then they were all coming into Toronto and Edmonton to quarantine. So if you can get them into the bubble, you've got a fighting chance of keeping this going. And 
I think at the end of the day, if they can get through this, it will be a remarkable achievement. Same for the NBA. And then as fans, we can just hopefully sit back and watch it and just enjoy the hockey element. Mm. See, I think it's quite interesting. As fans from afar, we are used to only really watching our games on TV. Um, And I think... Actually, we have kind of got a better deal than we would normally. Like there are cameras going to be in better vantage points. So they're going to be amongst like the stands where the fans normally would be because they wouldn't be allowed to be there for health and safety reasons. There's going to be 12 more cameras. Um, Do do you know what I mean? Like in that terms of that that kind of experience, I think it will be really interesting. We're going to hear more mics on um, you know, players, coaches, refs, whatever. Obviously, there's the five-second delay. Um, there is the crowd sounds. I don't know whether you're going to be able to turn it on or off. That will be interesting to see whether we get that because I know they're kind of centralising the feeds, aren't they? Um, east and west are coming from one, a bit like the Olympics feeds, basically. Um, so I think it will be really interesting like just to kind of see how the experience is for once in my life I've actually got a telly that is of a reasonable size uh, which is important when you're watching ice hockey I figure because I'm so used to watching it on my phone or on my laptop which is crap when you have the speed of a team like Toronto Maple Leafs because you can barely see it move you can be able to see the puck oh yeah you actually (laughs) know where the where the puck is I think that I think that is one thing and hockey probably probably out of a lot of sports just with the way that it's uh, way that it happens with the music and the the quite a lot of sound on the ice and the potential to mic up people I think it could transition to this you know no crowd although not ideal and I think we will miss it I think it'll transition all right I know watching you know the Premier League and, and football over here watching football without the crowd is is dull like unless you are investing in the game for some no no i'm sorry but watching watching football altogether is dull (laughs) and about you matt do you want to take this one or me but i think you're (laughs) going to get two different uh opinions to that claire (laughs) why depending on who your team is is that what you're saying I don't know. How have you found it, Matt? How have you found watching? Because you're a Spurs fan, aren't you? You're a season ticket holder, so you're normally in the in the stand, but you'll have watched pretty much every game, I would imagine. How have you found watching a sport like football that's so... You, well, usually the atmosphere is built so much by the crowd. Yeah, I, I, I think sport without fans is not the same, any sport. And football suffered a lot from that. I think the players... Um, the play wasn't as good and I think part of that is the adrenaline that you get from the crowd noise and the reactions and it's going to be interesting with the ice hockey to see whether that's the same as well whether the players feel that adrenaline rush that they would usually get when they're going in on a breakaway one-on-one with the goalie and the crowd are all on their feet do they get that adrenaline rush and can they pull off the moves that they would would usually do it it's it's going to be interesting but i think you're right hockey fans certainly in the nhl aren't as loud as um you know doing chanting like football or or even hockey in in europe um so yeah it's it's going to be intriguing to see how it does translate with no fans but i think most sports have suffered I was listening to um, a podcast earlier today and Ray Ferraro was talking, um, they were asking him as a former player, what would it be like playing with no fans? And he was saying, 
during the when you're on ice during the game probably doesn't make that much difference because you're so dialed in and it's all so kind of short shifts high concentration high octane the fans are just a noise that you hear he said the bit that he thinks would have affected him and could affect some others as well is when you're back on the bench and actually if you think about an nhl player during a game they do spend a lot of time sitting on the bench and yeah. he said that he thinks some plays said not all some people are, are are dialed in enough that they this won't affect them but he said there are some players who use the crowd and use the atmosphere and use the kind of mental distractions that they can give you as a way of keeping engaged in the game and he does wonder whether there will be some shifts where players come on and it takes them 10, 15 seconds. And of course, that's half your shift to get re-back dialed in. I think we could be in for a really interesting opening few games because even with the exhibition games, I think there could be a lot of mistakes. It could be like going back to October when there's like loads of goals and loads of turnovers. Goalies are another one. I don't know if we want to talk about that a little bit later because that's going to be fascinating to see how they come back. And so there's quite a lot of pieces that I think possibly the crowd influencing players when they're playing doesn't maybe affect them so much, but it might have an effect as the games kind of build in intensity. See, I was, um, uh, I was reading, listening, watching somewhere. I just feel like I've kind of absorbed, entered into that, that world of NHL. Um, someone was talking about, wouldn't it be, amazing if players who weren't playing that day were able to go to other games right because they were part of the same bubble so they were saying imagine brad marchand holding up a leafs suck sign sat in the stands whilst watching a leafs versus uh columbus game and then heckling and like you know absolutely chirping away from the stands like that would make great tv wouldn't it i want to see that I, who, Even I want to see that. Come on. No, <laughs> no, I'm too scarred by that. Matt, who would be the Dallas Stars equivalent of Brad Marchand? Who would you least want in that arena heckling a, a Stars loss? Oh, is just anyone from Nashville. Anyone from Nashville. Yeah. Anyone from Nashville. Just, just, just the whole team. Just the whole team. Just all of them there around the side going, yay. That's it. It could be like a boys' night out, couldn't it? Where they all turn up, all to give although, like... Although, Binnington from St. Louis. Binnington. Yeah. All right, okay. All right. So it's good to know what references we can get you when we're, when we're talking about Marchand <laughs> too much. Do you think, are, they, are they going to be allowed in? Claire, do you they, know? I don't know. I think people are just kind of saying that kind of stuff is, is unknown. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the, even when we're hearing like the broadcasters, the commentators, they're kind of not quite sure how is it all going to work for them? You know, who's in, who's in a, is, who's in a studio, who's, who's kind of away. It, it's even like knowing who they're working with, the rotors, the rosters, because they're obviously all getting checked and they have 72 hours to pass a load of tests. But if they don't pass, then they can't go in and someone else goes in their place. So um, I, I just find it interesting. I think what might be what this might expose is if well, who are the great commentators and who are the not so great ones? Because you know we've all worked in radio, um, worked in TV as well. I have never, you know, I have huge respect for people who do radio commentary because, especially football, because there's so much filling time because the, the footballers right, about all the time. Can you tell? Um, 
but you know there's, there's a lot of detail that you have to have to really take that listener to that place where you are and um i think sometimes tv commentators aren't always great because they have the stats the adverts and all that stuff to fall on whereas we'll need all those details for that intimacy so much more i think that people will want more of that because they can't be there in person um yeah i found it really interesting um i know you know this is another sport to throw into the pot but cricket listening to the cricket over the last couple of weeks because that i mean so much of what they describe because you talk about football being you know with a lot of time to fill and all of this kind of stuff cricket is that like (laughs) amped up and of course so much of what they do and what you realize about cricket commentators is is they literally are just constantly describing things that are happening around Mm. the play and of course probably 80 percent of those descriptions come from the crowd or they come from things that are happening because there's a crowd there and so it's going to be really interesting for you know for radio play-by-play in the nhl you know they're they spend so much time describing what's happening. It's not so, I think, you know, their job doesn't change that much in a, in a funny kind of way because they're just going to have to describe the play and that takes so much work. But the, yeah, you're right. The TV. They're going to up their game. They, they have and there's not that. And also they're, they're going to be having to commentate every game as a neutral because it's going to be that thing mm. of, you know, there's no home markets, there's no home teams. You know, you're going to have to be describing everything as, you know, a 50-50 balance. And they were talking a lot um, today. Again, uh, Ray Ferraro was talking about it. He was saying how a lot of the... Um, a lot of the commentators are going to have to get used to giving the teams 50-50 billing. Whereas, of course, if it was a Canadian broadcaster and it was a Canadian versus American team, there'd be more Canadian content in there because that's the audience. But like you said, it's like an Olympic feed. You've got to give a fair representation to both teams. So that's going to be odd from a fan's point of view, listening to you know, a Canadian commentary duo talking you know as much about an american team that a canadian team are playing but all of these little things again it kind of goes back to that original thing all this stuff is so it's going to be fascinating to see how it works and whether you know whether it's a kind of a completely pleasant viewing experience but i think one of the fascinating bits of this is how do you know what's going to happen on the ice we literally have no idea like well, what you, you know you were talking about earlier weren't you about your team coming off a three-game losing streak. I mean, who cares? Like, yeah. as Claire was said in the intro, all those things that she talked about happened in the time since Dallas last played a competitive hockey game. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you do a bracket? <laughs> like, anything like that. I, I don't know how you predict what is going to happen at all in this because every team has had a mini training camp. Again, most of the teams are pretty much healthy. Um, which is unusual. Even going into October, usually there's there's plenty of injuries. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I, d- I don't know where to start with a bracket. <laughs> See, the thing that I, you know, just before we kind of get into like breaking down the teams, the East, the West, players, that kind of stuff. What I find quite interesting is this whole generic statement of unfit to play and that's something that the nhl have kind of said so it opens a lot of kind of misinterpretation of what that could mean or they're unfit to play are they have they got the covid have they not got the covid but also um uh i think that there's some kind of stigma attached as well that players are not openly able to come out and say 
I have had a positive test. I've got coronavirus. We think it's because of this, this or this. That everything is behind kind of closed doors. Um, and I, I think that's, that's a shame because you look, Austin Matthews, when he had a positive test, it was like a witch hunt, you know, to kind of go find out, oh, these players have had a positive test. Who are they? Let's go and uncover them. And you know what, like, especially like Toronto media can be like, they can be like sharks. Um, and I just, you know, if, if a player does suddenly test positive or even a broadcaster, I mean, they're all in the bubble, right? It, well, they're I not. Mean, they're not. Broadcasters aren't, I don't think. Some don't of think. them are. Some of them are in. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. only the NHL.com journalists, because that was one of the things that um, I can't remember who, but in The Athletic were writing about, because there's barely any kind of journalist access to the, to the bubble itself. Um, there was someone I was listening to the day, also maybe Gord Miller was he was telling uh, telling us what suits he was packing. Yeah, pack so there's kind of like of there's people in in the kind of ground and uh, sorry in the arena and, and things like that. And I know there's uh, there's about I think they said three NHL.com journalists who are kind of inside the bubble, but none of the other kind of media um, are allowed access. But on that point, Claire, were you talking about the the kind of positive tests? I think. One of the other things as well, when when the whole Austin Matthews thing happened, there was nothing for anyone to talk about. Like COVID was everything that anyone was talking about. And it is still the same to a certain extent. But if it happened now in the bubble when they're playing, I think the the major concern for all fans and, and the league as well, I guess, is that they'd worry about it putting the rest of the tournament in jeopardy because you know, I mean, contact tracing is a is a tough thing to try and work out. But, you know, in inside a bubble environment where maybe people aren't social distancing because they're within the bubble, I don't know how closely they're going to monitor things like that. There's going to be a real worry. And I think the league probably feels like, do you know what, this is just not something that we want to have to deal with publicly. And we don't want the players to have to feel pressurised into doing it. So as a blanket kind of, you know, unavailable to play, it just means... The, the kind of the discussion point disappears other than the mm. fact that should we know whether it's COVID or should we know if it's an injury and injury reporting in the league is, you know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's like upper body or <laughs> lower body anyway. So we never, there's really actually know. one that is general body injury. <laughs> it's yeah, like, exactly. are you kidding? Yeah. I remember, I remember, um, I can't remember who it was, but there was a player once and I, I watched them play and it kind of, you know, was going off with concussion and, and had a kind of a crash to the boards. And I remember one of the coaches afterwards saying, uh, yeah, this player's um, going to be out for a bit with a with an upper body injury. Like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I could have worked that one out myself. The guy had concussion. But I think that whole... It's, it's a difficult one for the league, isn't it? Because this is not something that they want to be talking about. They want to be talking about hockey. But at the same time, they know that that's going to be a huge thing that everyone's going to be worried about because it's a thing that has the potential to derail the whole thing yeah it's one to watch out for we're all kind of like yeah just kind of like put a question mark over that bit well i mean you just hope that we get through don't you you just kind of hope that because that you know that once if rumors come out that it's got within the bubble in any of them in the nba or the or the nhl you just knew it had the potential to derail. And I think a lot of, it was interesting watching the Premier League's final day, how many commentators and people mentioned the fact that, you know, there's almost a sense of relief that they'd got to the end of the season. And, you know, I'm sure that the NHL will be like that, but it's just got a long way to go. Isn't it? 
Yeah, we're talking uh, as well, like about who were the losers in this situation, and people really were, were pointing to. Um, oh gosh, why is his name slipped my mind? The number one dude who's on the draft. Oh, well. oh can't remember his name. Anyway, draft the people <laughs> who the, the people who are in the draft because the there we go. I mean, the, la- the the draft positioning is a whole other conversation, really, that oh. I, I guess fits in AOB. I know we're going back a few weeks now, but we haven't done a podcast, and it's like, do you love it? Do you hate it? Everyone's kind of said their view. But actually, people are saying the losers in this situation are the guys who are in that top 10 because they've now got to wait longer. You know, they might not get to start playing until maybe January next year. And these guys are hot and they're ready to go. And now they've just got to park themselves. And that's frustrating. And also the chance that like the teams don't get to see them on the ice and playing as much as well. So there's a bit of a, we think he's the guy. We've watched some videos of him maybe last year, but we're not sure what he's like now. And at that age, I imagine you're growing, you're getting stronger. You're normally you know, pushing yourself, playing with older guys. So you're improving quite dramatically, um, which I thought was quite interesting. I hadn't really thought about that that point of view. I'd only really thought about the guys who are now playing. Um, I hadn't really thought about the future. But they're, they're, potentially, so gonna, yeah, they're potentially gonna miss out on that, that whole draft experience as well, because it might end up being a virtual draft like the NFL did. Um, and so you just miss out on that whole week build up and that excitement and all the all the press coverage that you get it's just not going to it's not going to be the same although with the way that they've decided to do the draft order and everything and how crazy that all ended up being that a placeholder team is going to pick first overall surely if you're Alexi Lafreniere you're sitting there thinking I could be lining up with Sidney Crosby next year or uh, someone like that I mean he but I, I get your point about all of the other guys and how it would be tough to not know where you're going or some of them not know. But if you're Lafreniere and you're going first overall and you know that you're going to one of those placeholder teams, you've got to be hoping that Pittsburgh drop out early or, you know, even a Montreal team who, you know, there's some people have said that they're, you know, for, for a lot of the season anyway, or a lot of the, the lockdown didn't think they were going to be involved in the rest of the season. They've sold some people at the trade deadline and suddenly they could find themselves if they lost to Pittsburgh, which is not unthinkable with a chance of Lafreniere. And there are so many storylines to come of it. And I always think with, with people like that and players who've got to that point, they're mentally tough. Like they have to get to where they are. They have got dealt with adversity. They have dealt with all sorts of stuff. And so I don't, I don't know whether it will affect them or not. And we won't know, I guess. We could be talking in 10 years' time and say, God, that, that draft year of 2020, what awful. <laughs> <laughs> like none of them are even playing in the NHL anymore. And it could be proven very wrong. Yeah. So um, let's just kind of quickly smash through other things that were in AOB um, were Seattle Kraken, name announced. Like, do you love it? Do you hate it? I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm like bothered. Move on. Kind of, kind of indifferent, but it's kind of nice that they're doing something different. They're not, they're not trying to do something boring. Jersey looks amazing. Did you both yeah, see the, the video, like the launch video? No. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. I, I got don't myself know. a new Western team. <laughs> is that all? Is that you're not even going to tell us what was on the video? You just said, yeah, it was great. 
Like, what oh, was really on it? Good. It was just a really, uh, they, they launched their, their name by kind of uh, doing this whole big promo video with them, like at sea announcing that. And you weren't really sure what it was because you didn't know it was the Kraken at that point. And it was all very moody and like stormy weather and stuff. It was just really well put together video. And then at the end of this Kraken comes out and it's like, oh my God, that looks amazing. But I, I just love how they're doing everything a little bit differently. And I guess it's what Vegas did as well. And I know a lot of people kind of, loved Vegas in that in that first year just because they had a bit of a different attitude and a lot of I think a lot of people who kind of been following hockey a lot longer than I have were saying how how quite refreshing it is that a team have gone for something a little bit left field in their name because it's not often the way it goes hockey's quite traditional um and I was listening to an interview earlier with the um, NHL's head of, uh, I think he was head of digital comms or something like that. He kind of heads up the digital part for the NHL. And he was just saying how, you know, it's great that they are kind of leading the way and, and they've, they've got a free reign to do whatever they want outside of the kind of hockey itself. Like that bit will be unchanged, but whatever they want to do in the build up and that's what Vegas did so effectively. And, you know, there's no reason why Seattle, Seattle will have looked at what Vegas did. And, you know, I love the fact on their Twitter account, they're kind of saying, they're already coming out and saying, we're already working out ways to draft your favorite player to every other NHL team. Oh, that's brilliant. Cause that's what sport should be. It should be fun. And, and I think just cause you know, there may be a couple of funny names you can make out of Kraken for, uh, for opposing supporters. That should just add to the drama. But I oh. want one of their jerseys. I think well, I, I, you know, I, I was reading actually an article where it said they wanted the jersey to be absolutely banging because they said right from the early meetings about the logo, the jersey, that they wanted to imagine themselves winning wearing that jersey. Um, that's how serious they were, which, you know, if you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, they got a great run in their first season. So, you know, if they go and steal all of our best players, then they probably should have a good run, right? Uh, but anyway. The, and one of the biggest winners, we were talking about losers of this scenario, one of the biggest winners potentially is Seattle because of the whole CBA negotiations and the flat cap that we now have for the next few years. Um, I heard a, a team official was quoted in saying, we learned the lessons from Vegas and we weren't going to do the same things again that we did with the expansion draft this time round with Seattle. But now with the flat cap, that teams are going to be forced into doing it and they're going to be forced into dealing players that they don't want to. So Seattle, I mean, they, they could potentially be one of the biggest winners from, from this whole thing in, in terms of a sporting way anyway. Mm. The more I think about the name, the more I like it because somewhere Don Cherry is absolutely spitting feathers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's so much like release the Kraken. And I love the fact that they came out with this bold arena plan that said they were going to be one of like the, the only carbon neutral kind of arenas in the NHL. And Jeff Merrick was on Hockey Central the other day saying, well, they should just go full way and have green ice just to be totally different. Um, but he loves just, that idea he does love that idea and then coloured ice and all this kind of stuff but I just think it's great I think it's fun when I'm, I was fortunate enough on that on that trip that Claire mentioned earlier to go to Vegas and to, to watch a game um, in Vegas and it was amazing like and apart from the fact I love and support Toronto the in arena kind of experience in Vegas was just miles ahead of what you know is in Toronto and just because they've had a bit of freedom to do things differently. And 
yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Can you do you remember when Seattle come in? Because I can't remember. Is it next? It's not next season, is it? It's the season after. Yeah, I was trying to work yeah. this yeah. out earlier. So they come in the season yeah. after. So they'll be drafting next summer. That's it. You're That's right. right. Okay. Okay. I was just thinking through the Leafs lineup and who we might lose and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Otherwise, how I should get affected. How, well, how attached I should be to some of those players. And I imagine if the Leafs fail to do much this season and next season, there could be a lot of disgruntled Leafs fans switching sides. Surely, it's not worth thinking about. Um, okay, so back to the present day rather than the future. Um, there is the small issue of some hockey. I, I mean, firstly, are you actually really going to like take a lot of notice of the exhibition games, or are you just rolling up your sleeves, ready for what, what's the first day? August the first is the first day of games, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm going to watch the exhibition games because I haven't watched hockey for three months. <laughs> Like, I'm not. I'm not in a position to be picky at the moment. <laughs> what about well, you? you know, Are you watching you, them? Pay yourself. I'll, I'll watch them to see. Probably try and get some some feeling about how the teams are going to set up and what they're going to look like. But probably more about the broadcast yeah. on the on the exhibition games. Well, but do you think they'll do much in this in that? I think they will because I think they're going to try and things out. Okay. to work out what they're going to do. But I, I, I think hockey exhibition games are renowned for just being, you know, don't read anything into it. Um, uh, we're, kind of, we're kind of forced a little bit, though, with these to read stuff into it because exhibition games usually lead into the start of an 82-game season or 83-game season or whatever it is, whereas this is, you know, a couple of games before you're playing in the playoffs. True. And there's no... This, this is it. If you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna get yourself up to speed, come August the first or whenever your first game is, that's that's game one. Especially for the playing teams as well, they've only got five game series, which then means if if you lose that first game in a five game series, you've got to win the next three or four. So I just wonder whether we'll see. Well, of course, we're not going to see the same intensity of an exhibition game. I just wonder if we are going to see a little bit more because I would never normally watch an exhibition game. I don't know. Exhibition games usually, uh, in the run-up to the season, have some young players who are playing for a, a spot in the, yes. the roster, whereas now it's probably going to be a lot of players trying to not get injured. Because That's a good point. Wanna, they don't want to miss the, the start of the, the playoffs. So it, it could be even more tame than a normal exhibition game. But was, imagine, who knows? Can you imagine being injured in the bubble? Can you imagine <laughs> just sitting there for three months with like a broken ankle, just sitting there going, oh, for God's sake. Well, no, if you get a big injury, you just go home. But if you get like a yeah, little knock, niggle. you just got to sit there and... If you're, a, if you're a star player on your team and you get a bump or you get something that puts you out for a few weeks, you're basically sitting there because they're not going to let you go out because then you can't come back in. You are just going to have to sit there. Oh, that will be tough. Well, what I'm also liking as a fan from afar is the timing of some yes. of these games. I mean, finally, it's like everybody who is in Europe and is an NHL fan just punched the air with joy. I mean, yes. you're talking about games at like 5 p.m. UK time, 9 p.m., 7.30 p.m., 11.30 p.m. I mean, Matt, both your games are at 11.30 p.m. That's not the end of the world. 
Um, we have got uh, a game at 1am and 9pm. I mean, yeah, we're kind of used to getting games at midnight, 1am. It's the norm for us. Um, I mean, it, uh, yeah, uh, where there's, there's one, uh, if you're a New York Islanders fan or Florida Panthers, they've actually got all UK friendly games. They've got a 9pm and two 5pms. So, I mean, I'm loving that actually. But while I think it's also now I'm working from home, it means that I will be putting the telly on in the background and just have these games on from five all the way through till I go to bed so that hopefully I can just kind of catch a bit more of other teams. Like my weakness has always been the West teams, um, which is why we have you, Matt. Um, (laughs) Because I just, I'm never up that late. To watch a lot of the games so now i might actually be able to really spend some time watching some of this live rather than just catching up with the odd highlight here or there yeah I, I, you might actually get to watch some good hockey if you get to watch some west oh unbelievable unbelievable, unbelievable. so are you the, are the... you saying that a west a team from the west is going to win the Stanley <laughs> cup this year no but i'm saying the west as a whole is a stronger conference what overall in in the east you always end up with teams running away with it and teams absolutely tanking down the bottom whereas in the west yeah it's very tightly packed because all the teams are so competitive i mean the, I, whole, the yeah. whole central division is in the playoffs i would you know. say it's interesting that because you do think the worst the worst teams in the nhl do tend to be certainly for the last few years have, have been in the east and but then also you've had your Tampas and your, your uh, Bostons and teams like that who've obviously done very well and been right at the top. But you're right, it's much harder to they quickly get to play the rubbish teams them. more often. Well, is it, they get to play the Eastern teams a lot. Well, it's interesting because it's, it's, I can't pick out those same teams. I can think of who's been really bad in the East, and maybe it's Eastern bias because I support an Eastern team, but I can't think off the top of my head of the teams that have run away at the top or the bottom of the West they do all merge a little bit more into there but yeah i mean but then would you when you think about an east and a west team i don't even know who's going to get out of the play-ins so how do you feel so matt the the way that obviously it's working is you've got the teams who were kind of up at the top are going to have a kind of a round robin tournament as such to to be basically seeding and also to mean that they're not at a disadvantage of missing the first playing round and, and being kind of a step behind the teams coming in how do you feel as a fan of a team who's got to do that round robin tournament to play for a seed uh do you know what it's like it's like i'm not really putting too much pressure on the round robin because you know you're guaranteed a spot anyway and actually, I see it more as we've got three extra games to try and um, improve and, and get our system going and get up to speed. Like three extra exhibition games, but they're getting more intense. Because I think you look at, you look at the West and if you're in the top, if you're in the top two um, of the round robin, you're going up against Edmonton and Chicago or Nashville and Arizona. Uh, I'd fancy us against any of those teams in a, in a series. Um, and, and if you're third and fourth, you've got to look out for probably Winnipeg and maybe Vancouver, but it's, it's, 
every round's going to be tough. And the, th- the fact that they're reseeding it after two rounds yeah. means that, you know, it's, it, it's even more of a gamble. <laughs> you, yeah. you just don't know what's going to happen. And that is quite nice in a way because you can't, you can't predict. I, know, I can understand why they, uh, you know, the NHL like the bracket system and all this kind of stuff. But this is quite interesting that you can't predict what your route to the cup is going to be. And I know as Leaf fans, that's always what we talk. We spend literally nine months of the year talking about the fact that we're going to have to face Boston in the first round. And then if we somehow, by some miracle, overcome them, we probably have to then face Tampa. Like, so we, we always talk about that. But it's almost quite refreshing that you don't know who's ahead of you. It is going to happen. I mean, if by any kind of fluke we do get through, I just, I just think it's going to happen. No, what? That we face Boston? Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see are the are the round robin games going to be finished before the playoff series are finished. So are you going to know are the teams? They're about the same time. Know who they're playing to play against. I suppose it depends how quickly you win, doesn't it? Because you could, if you won in three, yeah. Then, or if it went to five, you might know if you won in three, or by the time you get to five, you might know who your opponent is. So the the uh, what what will happen is your second game, Matt, is on uh, Wednesday, the the fifth of August, um, and there are also two um, playing games happening on the fifth of August as well, which are their third third games. So um, okay. you would know by like you know three thirty a.m. the day after whether you want to win that game or not. <laughs> <laughs> they're well, just want to pack up and go home <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. so i mean it will be when we come to do our podcast next tuesday you know toronto will have only played one game we'll be playing our second game probably as we kind of record the podcast i was gonna say hang a bit on, earlier hang on a minute well, i was gonna say a little scheduling issue there are we talking about recording the podcast next tuesday which is when Toronto face off at 9pm. I don't, anyway, I don't think we would concentrate. It wouldn't be a good quality podcast. Maybe, maybe we do Wednesday, eh? <laughs> I don't think I can. I know I've watched, I have bad memories of recording this podcast while watching a Leaf game because that was the last podcast <laughs> I did and that was watching Boston beat us live. So that wasn't exactly a great experience. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's like I've, I've actually got my coloured pens and I've written out a bit of a wall chart. So I was saying how if this was in the UK, you'd get a, a red top um paper and you'd get a free pull out wall chart you know if it was the football world cup wouldn't you and i wish that i could have the equivalent um right now that i could put on my wall and every morning i'd get up and i'd fill in the results so i've made one of my own it's not really worth the two-week quarantine is it flying to the states just to pick up a newspaper so you can get your your newspaper pull out it's not really worth no no but so like let's let's take um let's take the west because i'm i'm intrigued and matt you can help us if we um, you know, it's like, okay, let's look at the seeds. Who do we think is going to finish one, two, three, four? You know, who's going to do well at that? And then out of the pairings, let's just say, who do we think's going to go through? I mean, it's all fun. In two weeks, if you listen to this podcast, you'll be like, well, that's irrelevant, isn't it? But remember what happened last year in the playoffs, how all the first seeds got knocked out in the first round. Nobody saw that coming. So um, it's all for something and giggles, as people may say. Um, so in the seeds, we've obviously got St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, Dallas Stars, 
Go, uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights. Um, like who do we think is going to finish top out of them? I think the St. Louis Colorado game will be massive. I think that that will be the the game that will probably decide it. I, I think that those two were the strongest in the regular season, and that's kind of all we've got to go on. Mm. Um, so you you'd probably say that those two are going to be in the top two, the top two seeds. And that's the first game as well. That's on Sunday evening, the first game out of that yeah. seeding group. So that will really kind of set the agenda, won't it? Because if it is kind of a, a real clean, e- easy kind of match, then that really will kind of continue predictions. If it kind of falls over one side or the other, then that's it. You know, it could shape whatever happens next. Yeah, I think I think St. Louis were... Um incredibly well organized considering they were defending the Stanley cup. They didn't seem to have a hangover or anything. Now they've had a rest. If they come back as well organized as they were during the season, I think they'd be, they'd be tough to beat. See, I've been hearing that they are not playing at the full capacity that they were when they were kind of on that winning streak last year. Um, They haven't quite got that edge is what I'm hearing listening to other podcasts. Yeah, and to be honest, Colorado, I think, are a really exciting team. Um, they've got incredible young players coming through. Um, and I I could see them causing an upset. Into, uh, would it be an upset? I don't know. But I can see them, them getting the first seed out of there. Um, they're probably the... the Colorado are probably the one team out of the four that I wouldn't want to go up against in the later rounds of the, the playoffs. If, yeah. if they make it through the first two rounds, I think they'll be a tough team to beat. I've got to say, out of those four teams, my personal preference would be to see um, Colorado for the same reasons. I think I would just love to see more of Nathan McKinnon. And, though, and, and, and I always say, actually, I don't get to watch enough of Colorado. Um, so, yeah, a cadre, we obviously have a little bit of a soft spot if you're a Leafs fan. Um, Did you see that he'd uh, bought all his teammates, uh, like, uh, slippers for the hotel with their numbers oh. on. Like, people saying, isn't he the best teammate ever? Oh, we miss oh, you. Although we don't fuck. miss you this time of year because you screwed us over for two years. Now, But anyway, the rest of the time we miss you. Fatherhood has obviously softened him a little. Um, Colorado and Dallas is who I want to go, go you know, top of those um four i'm not bothered about vegas i don't feel any kind of affinity to them um and st louis blues i feel like yeah you had your time let someone else have a go that is going to be interesting with the with the round robin is there's not going to be the same there's not going to be the same kind of need to be at a hundred percent from the first game as the playing teams because they they really are at the point of you've got to win that first game and you've got to be ready to go. Whereas I guess if you're a Colorado or you're St. Louis and you're not maybe firing on all cylinders from the first game, maybe it's not the end of the world because you could, you know, you could miss the first game and it doesn't have a huge effect. I think Colorado are going to be uh, an interesting one. I think with the, with the kind of speed and youth, and there's been a lot of talk about whether this kind of break and then this format is going to suit the kind of younger teams and the, the fresher teams, and maybe they're just going to be able to kind of get get over the line with enthusiasm and youth, or is this going to 
kind of favour the more experienced teams who've been there, done that, been through the adversity, and this is just another thing that they can deal with. I think that's going to be something that comes out in the West, that difference between the likes of Colorado and maybe a, you know, a, a St. Louis who have a few more years clocked up. I mean, Dallas this year, Matt, I mean, they're one of the oldest teams in the league, aren't they, age-wise? And how do you think that's going to set them up for this bizarre playoffs? There's been a lot of talk about whether experience or youth is going to benefit during this um, this playoffs, and I, I just I just don't know. <laughs> it's the simple answer from me. I just have no idea. Yeah, we've got an old team, and that experience could be could be great, but it's experience in something that no, like no no team's ever been in this kind of situation because we've not had this this kind of playoff. So, and being in that bubble. Maybe maybe having the experienced team in the in the bubble situation and being away from your family and things is going to be a good thing. Or maybe they're going to they've got more family and more kids and they're going to struggle more being away from mm. home so long. That's what I was thinking. Actually, a lot of this depends on your mindset. And yeah, if you actually are worried about, you know, we're hearing about some some of the guys who've got new babies. Kadri was one of the one of the guys talking about. I'm sure that his um, kid is less than six months. Being away from a baby at that time is so difficult. And actually, you know, if someone's got a load of kids, that's even more difficult because the the guilt, I suppose, that you might carry in leaving the, the partner to kind of cope with life back at home. Well, I think you're right. Whereas, you know, you kind of look at some of the younger players, they don't have any responsibility. They are here to play, get that that god-awful ring and lift that cup and drink some beer i thought um a a player who we kind of both know from both our teams in jason spetzer said something very interesting on that though he said that you know he he explained it to his kids and and his family and stuff and they he said that they realized that he only has so many years left to try and achieve his dream of winning a stanley cup and i guess if you're if your kids are old enough to understand that, that you've got to go out and kind of live your dream. And, and someone like Jason Spetzer, I mean, maybe this is his last year, I doubt it, but he probably only has another one or two years to, to try and achieve something like that. And so maybe that's how, you know, some of those players square it. Because if you're a, if you're a Mitch Marner or you're a Nate McKinnon or someone like that, you know you've got years of competing ahead of you. And if, you, if it doesn't go well this year, then so be it. But, you know, the likes of Jason Spetzer, the likes of those players, you know, you always talk about Joe Thornton's, although obviously not involved in this, but those kind of players who, who know their time, they're on borrowed time in terms of the NHL. And I just wonder whether this is something that they'll think this isn't even, you know, this isn't even worth worrying about. I want to get that Stanley Cup ring. And that, you know, that could be the counter argument to, you know, the kids will walk it. Who knows? Hope I mean, the kids do walk it. <laughs> <laughs> like San Jose Sharks. I mean, I wonder what Eric Carlson's doing right now. Mind you, he wouldn't have been any better if he stayed in Ottawa, would he? So, you know. No one's giving him slippers with his number on. So, so who are we saying comes out of the West? Let's go with the out there prediction mm, from, so from podcast number one. Top top uh, one I've got on my list here is Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets. I've got to say for all of these four matchups, I, I don't really care, <laughs> which is awful. I don't really feel any affinity to any of these matchups. So Calgary versus Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean, they, they really needed to kind of pull a miracle out of the bag last year. 
and they just never really seemed it was kind of like kind of you know when you you have butterfingers and the ball's coming in and it's kind of in your hand but then it just kind of keeps slipping through they also i mean they had an insane year if you th- i know it's a long time to think back but with the whole dustin bufflin thing and how they basically sold d around him to keep him and then he didn't you know play for for all the reasons that were documented and i mean they they really almost shouldn't be there so the fact that they are there I wonder gives them a little bit of a skip in their step to think, well, this we this is a bonus, guys. Like we are, you know, we're, we're yeah, we're punching a bit above our weight here. Mm. Um, so I do wonder where they come through. And then Calgary are just a team that seem to have so much drama around them. You know, even going back to all the coaching stuff, which I know is nothing to do with hockey, but they just seem to be a team that that are really weighed down by the expectations and the. Uh, and stuff that seems out of their control, and I, I don't know. I think I think Winnipeg will take them for that okay. reason. Okay, so Edmonton and uh, Chicago. Edmonton. Edmonton, obviously on home soil, huge Edmonton. opportunity. Edmonton are going to blitz them. I mean, Chicago. Abby, Abby, who is our Chicago fan who's in Leeds, will obviously want something different. Remember last year, during the playoffs, she was furious because her dad is a Boston Bruins fan. She just kept apologising to us for his uh, behaviour. And yeah, It's a fair thing to apologise for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you think Chicago are going to beat Edmonton? No. I ju- I, Matt said that. I, I just said it to be, um, you know, the, the counter-argument. Edgy. Yeah, I mean, Chicago are the real winners here because they, they're probably the team that was the furthest back. Yeah, them and Montreal. made it into really? the, the play-ins. Um, yeah. And if they lose, they've got a chance of the first overall pick. It's like... Can you imagine Kane and Taves next year with Lafreniere? So they're, they're a massive win, but I just think it'd be a great story if Edmonton once again underachieved in their hometown. Don't get me wrong, yeah. I would love to see that happen, but I sadly don't think it's going to. It's all, from all the reports that I've heard that Conor McDavid is looking like he is in beast mode at the moment. And you can imagine a guy like him who's who's been so kind of bitter, and quite rightfully so, in the fact that he's not had a chance at the playoffs for so long. And with Dreisaitl, with the year that he had, he just... I don't know, those those kind of players that you would imagine are going to come into their own. So it's going to be Kane and Taves versus Dreisaitl and McDavid. It's going to be fascinating. I always feel with Edmonton, though, if you can if you can keep the top line quiet, you can win the game. Because yeah. the, you've, you've just got to really... I mean, it's incredibly difficult to concentrate against those two. But if you can concentrate for 60 minutes against those two and match them line for line, like you'll win the game. But that is one of the things that gave them success this year, wasn't it? They finally managed to prize those two apart, you know, McDavid yeah. and Dreisaitl. And then suddenly, as you say, Matt, it's, it's a lot harder then to contain the two lines. I mean, we saw that in Toronto when Tavares came. It was it was much harder to, to contain a Matthews line and a Tavares line than it was just worrying about the, the Matthews line. And that's where I have a feeling that Edmonton will pip Chicago. What about you, Claire? I think I, uh, I always seem to lean towards su- supporting a Canadian team. Like I want, Natural. yeah. It's you know, regardless. It's just a view on world order, Claire. That's all it is. All it is. <laughs> I like Canada Canadian. better than America. There you go. Let's yeah, not get but, into politics. But but I want a Canadian team to finally win the Stanley Cup. 
Yeah, but you want um, the right would, Canadian team to finally absolutely. win the <laughs> I would love my team. Yeah. But um, if I'm ever not sure, I always listen to Canadian broadcast output over American. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I just lean that way. So uh, I like the story and I just feel like Edmonton, these fans, oh my God, they pour their heart and their soul. They are bitter, angry people. But also... I just want something good for McDavid. I want him to at least just do one round minimum in the playoffs. Like, yeah, come on. We, of, he's one of the best players in the world. And I don't get to see story. him. If, if, he, if they don't make it in and he has a hissy fit and says he wants to leave, imagine <laughs> all the stories and all the things we're going to have to talk about. Hot take for this uh, tournament. And obviously, as a Leafs fan, this does not work well for me but I do think that the league will be quite happy if Edmonton and Toronto don't win the Stanley Cup this year yeah. I although the, there really seems to be no advantage given to a to a team in their own arena I still think Gary Bettman will breathe a sigh of relief if any of the other teams win the Stanley Cup just uh, particularly Toronto just because of the no, don't. all of the all of the kind of I mean I won't care at that point I will already be running through the streets of Cardiff and that no one will care but um, I, I don't know for the league I think they would be quite happy if it wasn't one of those two teams <laughs> so then we've got Vancouver Canucks and uh, the team of hair Minnesota Wild um, I mean again Vancouver. I put I kind of scored next to this Vancouver Canucks I like the Church of Elias Pedersen story that we covered a few months back um, I don't really feel any kind of affiliation with Minnesota Wild who who have we got to watch out for in Minnesota? Are they one of the teams that deserve to be there? I kind of didn't really like follow much of their progress towards the end of the season. Did they go on a huge run? In, um, Nobody. Did they deserve no. it? Like, Nobody follows Minnesota. I feel so yeah. bad for them because it's such a big American hockey market, but nobody outside of Minnesota, really. They're one of the most, I find anyway, one of those boring teams. They, they really didn't have a good season. And no. again, they're one of the teams that are lucky to be be in there so we'd expect um, a clean sweep here yeah, yeah. i mean they're, they're they're famous aren't they minnesota for getting to the first round and then always losing like that's their thing they always like lose toronto it's one thing saying it from me well the difference <laughs> is matt we've only recently just got there <laughs> we don't get there very often but yeah i i vancouver will walk that you would think so nashville predators and arizona coyotes obviously Really weird timing for Arizona Coyotes and what's been happening backstage with ownership, with management, uh, GM walks out. Um, I mean, it just, it must be so confusing in the locker room there right now. But then because it's the GM, it's not the coach actually for them. Is it just business as usual? Because the GM's role is more about the draft, about trades. It's not about getting down to do hockey. So as long as they keep out of the noise, they, they just got a job to do and get playing. And sometimes in the bubble. Yeah. And sometimes it's that, how many times do you think a coach is going to say that in their like <laughs> locker room? Sometimes it's those things that they can just pull a group together and you've got a, you've got a couple of kind of interesting characters in that dressing room, haven't you? You've got Phil Kessel, you've got Taylor Hall, you've got, you know, Taylor Hall's got to, got to prove himself because he already knows he's now, he's really lost out in the, in the lottery of time with the fact that his contract is going to be considerably less than it would have been if he'd signed a year ago. So, I mean, somebody like him is going to be trying desperately to prove himself. Um, 
I think Kemper's back, isn't he now? I think for them, I think he's back from his injury, which crippled them earlier in the year. Um, I don't know. I don't don't think I could support a team that Phil Kessel is on. Like, I know that's a bit of a hang-up. I know that he's got an amazing shot and, like, certain coaches love him, but I just find him annoying. And that's not a reason to not support a team, but I'm just like, oh. I don't... Yeah, I find it. I mean, Nashville didn't have. I'm trying to look back now on the on the standings. They they weren't great. Nashville either. didn't have a good year, did they? I mean, they no. fired their coach, like, and they no did PK. go on a bit of a. They did go on a bit of a run. Yeah. Think, towards lockdown, but I think Arizona could do that. You know, I think they could pull well, together I was a say, little bit. Arizona are one of those teams that, whenever the Stars have played them, there's signs that they are a very good team. And then there's periods where you just think they're awful. Yeah. And if they if they can have more of the good periods, obviously they're going to do better. But um, yeah. I, I think they've got players that could make a difference, like you say, Tyler Hall and um, if they Kessel, if they turn up. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, Nashville have still got Pecorino. They've got our favourite player, Matt Duchesne. You know, we've loved to mention him a few times, many Arizona, over the years. Arizona, of course, worth mentioning that they're all already used to playing in empty stadiums. So uh, that's not going to be a problem for them. Ouch. Okay, so here's what we're saying. We're saying Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, Arizona uh, to go through in the West. That is what we have just stated. Let's move to the East then. Um First up uh, in seed-wise, we have Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, Philadelphia Flyers, and Washington Capitals. Woohoo! What a surprise! Not really. Um, I mean, who do we think is going to kind of finish on top here? People, a lot, a lot of the time when we go back to the start of the season, you know, two names that kept cropping up were Dallas Stars in the West and Boston Bruins in the East. Uh, Boston kind of went a bit up and down didn't they have quite a few injuries um, to overcome but now I guess they've got a bit of a clean slate uh, Pashanak's back, Martian's there I mean, when the season finished, seems when to be they, back on it When the season finished they were 8 points ahead of Tampa mm. and played the same amount of games I mean and Tampa albeit had a bit of a, a rubbish start to the season Boston just looked in a different league and they looked very much like they just picked off from being in the Stanley Cup final last year and felt like they wanted to, you know, they, they really did mean business. And I just don't see how they're not, they're flat out favourites for, for if, if we're looking, if we're taking into account the season gone, which you've kind of got to, because there's nothing else to gauge it on. If they can get going and pick up from where they left off, I don't see what team in the East is going to stop them, which makes me sick. But. Uh, and that is where the, the bracket that I looked at, whoever wins out of Toronto Maple Leafs and Columbus Blue Jackets plays the first seed it has on my bracket. I don't know where that's just the placing of it, which was what worried me because I was like, oh, God, no. Surely, though, if someone like Montreal, who were way down at the bottom, yeah, surely... No, the first- the first seed plays Montreal-Pittsburgh. Yeah, so they play right. Montreal-Pittsburgh right at the, the bottom of that. Yeah. So, yeah, because I did think that if Boston Boston winning big in the round robin was good for the Leafs, I seem to remember thinking. Okay, I will check my uh, my, my thing there. But, check I mean, bracket. like, yeah, like if we kind of say who do we want to finish top out of that, Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, weirdly, actually, I went to the gym the other day and there was a guy who turned up wearing a Philadelphia Flyers 
top. I was like, whoa, you don't see that very often because most of them have been in hiding for a few years because they were just all over the shop, weren't they? Um, unless you're a goaltender and then you were screaming from the rafters because you might actually get a job. Um, yeah. Philadelphia Flyers, I mean, Ovechkin, I haven't actually seen a lot about him in the off-season, if that's what it is. A down season, pause season, wonder what it is. Um, I haven't seen much about Ovechkin at all. Have you? No. Um, it's been difficult because, they're, again, they're, they're a team that did had a really good... I mean, they were 10 points off Boston. So if you're looking at that, they were top of the kind of metropolitan when the, when the season stopped. And they were, they were 10 points off Boston with a game fewer played, I think. So again, if you're looking at that... If you're looking at those teams out of Washington, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, I just wonder whether Pittsburgh. I, I think Pittsburgh are going to roll Montreal because um, a uh, bar carry Price pulling off a miracle. I think Montreal are just not in the place that they. You know, they're a bit like a, you know, a team over. We were talking about in the West. They're they're a team who don't expect to be there, and and this is almost a bit of a. You don't want to call it an inconvenience. So but, that's in. That's obviously in the. The play-in series, isn't it? But what yeah. I was trying to work out was with Tampa Bay Lightning, Washington Capitals, Philly Flyers. Like, I mean, do we just think like are any of those going to tank? I mean, I'm looking Boston and Philadelphia are the first matchup with with those two. Um, I think I think Boston and Boston and Tampa Bay will come out of that. Oh, yeah, two. the top two seeds. I think that's a fair play, but then we don't know because when the when the, the they needed to do the job, Tampa last year, they fell out at the first hurdle. So what have they learned from last year to make sure that when it counts, they get up to speed? Like, I mean, it'd be really interesting to kind of you almost want to go back, don't you, to like compare teams October's for the last couple of seasons, because, you know, you were saying how we often see more goals scored um, in the starts of seasons because it takes goalies longer to warm up. Um, And so then you would kind of think actually for a a more offensive team is going to do better in the playing series in these kind of get up and go round robins than a defensive team, because it's a bit slower to kind of get going. Actually, if you've got proper goal scorers, you should be able to like kind of be like, get past everyone in this initial stage whilst the other guys are taking a while to get going. I and you can't, rely, just, you can't rely on your goalie because they might be a bit at, asleep. Just don't look at Dallas's form in October's. <laughs> well, that was the interesting thing at the start of the season, looking at those two, Boston and Tampa, because obviously Boston came straight out of their blocks, straight away winning and have been kind of up there all season. Tampa had a really slow start, but it almost felt there was a lot of talk at the time of they realised that, well, they bossed the regular season last season and look where that got them, a first round exit and you know embarrassment. So there was almost, um, you know, some of the talk was that they were not saving themselves for the playoffs because you can't do that, but certainly not kind of going all out in the regular season to win the president's trophy again. And the proof was the fact that, you know, they were down near the bottom of the Atlantic and slowly as the season went round, they were kind of building up and up and up and they'd got themselves up into second in the Atlantic. And I just think with them again, I think they're not going to, that the memory, although it feels like a very long time ago to anyone, uh, the memory of losing to Columbus the way they did will be very kind of 
front and centre of their their memory. And for a lot of players, they'll really want to kind of rid that. And I think that they'll see this as an opportunity to go and do it. And they are one of the teams that can outscore anyone. Um, and Vasilevsky, if he's on form, he's probably one of the best goaltenders in the league. And he, he just You've got a few there. guys who are whose contracts are finishing this well, they're season. Always, yeah, they're always one of those teams, aren't they, that are always pushing that salary cap. And of course, with the flat cap, they're going to get hit hard by it. Um, mm. But I just think I think Tampa and Boston will will overpower Washington and Philadelphia. But who knows? Washington are not a you know they're a difficult team to play. They always were the last few years. So big, so then, the big question is though: Did Gritty make it into the bubble? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what are they doing with mascots? That's a good point. Because I mean, even if he was told not to, I would imagine he would try yeah, and break. He's going to try and get in, isn't he? There's going to be some video released by the Flyers, isn't there, of him with like a big bubble in front of him and him just like headbutting it to like, break <laughs> in. Yeah, um, we haven't actually mentioned um, the New York teams actually. Um, so let's look at their matchups. We haven't even mentioned Carolina Hurricanes, who. A team who I just have a little bit of a sweet spot for. Um, New York Rangers, Carolina Hurricanes have a have a matchup. Um, some really great timing games for UK fans. We know there are loads of New York Rangers fans who are in the UK. Shout out to Jamie, um, another Yorkshire massive uh, New York Rangers fan. So they got five PM games. Um, the third one is at one AM, but you know, if it's worth it, they'll stay up for it, right? Um, and Paul, who is in Scotland, uh, is a Carolina Hurricanes fan, has been for many, many years. I mean, I just, um, I love the story around Carolina Hurricanes, um, where they've kind of grown to over the past couple of years. I feel like sometimes they're a bit of an underdog, whereas with New York Rangers, they, hasn't, they haven't been as consistent um, over the past couple of seasons. But they seem to be kind of getting a few winds of good luck that's kind of keeping them there they've done an incredible job at rebuilding i mean they wrote to their season ticket holders not that long ago and said that we're going to go through a rebuild and then they got capo caco didn't they in their second overall and and then they've managed to turn turn the team around quite well i mean what was i've I've literally forgotten his name the guy who scored like a million goals for them this season yeah Uh, i can't remember but he was one i kept looking at in the fantasy league and head in hands moment when he scored again and again but um they Panarin and Zabanajad didn't it Zabanajad uh, that yeah. was the one and Panarin as well of course but uh, another one with them is their goalie, goalie situation as well and how they're going to get around that because they've got these three goalies which won't matter ironically for them now because of they're allowed to have as many goalies as they want but I think again they're they're a team who are in there a little bit like Winnipeg who are overachieving but in a good way, not as in a kind of a Minnesota way. They're overachieving and they're probably ahead of their curve. So very little pressure, I'd say, on the Rangers. Go out there and, you know, try and try and get a good run for Lundqvist. See if you know, see if they can get a gains. But they've got they've got good years ahead of them, the Rangers. So yeah, I think they'll they should have a good one. Same with Carolina, really. Quite so who are you saying then? Who are you saying goes through out of that? Is that quite a tight matchup? Toss of a coin for me. Yeah. Yeah, the Rangers actually had a really good February and and that's how they kind of pulled it back to get into contention to to get into the playoffs. So, yeah, if they if they can get that form going, good thing. Mm. Okay, my heart says Carolina, but my head says 
maybe New York Rangers on that basis then. Um, so the New York Islanders and Florida Panthers. Um, Bobrovsky, wow, he might Florida have a... in this? Yeah, they are. Are they? That was one of the um, other ones where people were like, are you kidding? Um, yeah, and amazingly, they got all their players out of Florida without any positive tests. That was probably a lot harder. You know, those guys have been living in a bubble probably already for a few weeks. Talk about another team who will uh, do well with playing in front of an empty stadium. <laughs> Florida New York Islanders. No, as no, well? no. Florida, Florida, definitely. Mm-hmm. I always remember those games when you watch the Leafs uh, play Florida, and it's basically just about half the stadium full of Leafs fans, and then the odd Florida fan. <laughs> what do we What do we think about this as a as a matchup? I mean, both these teams have been up, down, up, down, all over the place, and you know, we we knew New York Islanders went on a great run. Um, what was it last year at some point they'd obviously been through a rebuild as well with the whole Lou Lamorello move Um, I I don't know whether either of these teams I see as being lifting the Stanley Cup Um, so let's say Florida for the upset let's say it Florida are going to win this and get through into the playoffs yeah it's a it's a coin toss hasn't there Mm -hmm. so we're saying the Islanders have got to be favourite in that though Matt haven't they (laughs) I yeah. think so, but what do I know? Yeah, I mean, what does any of us know? Like, <laughs> literally have no idea. But <laughs> Florida, Florida getting through the play-in into the first round would be a massive upset because they they were, as far as I can remember, anyway, they were down and out. Although it feels like a long time ago. Yeah, and we're saying, down and out. They're only three points behind the Leafs. Well, exactly. I mean, let's face it. If we were a Toronto Maple Leafs team playing uh, Florida Panthers or New York Islanders, I think I prefer that to Columbus Blue Jackets, who um, had a whole bunch of injuries. um, And now they've obviously coming back pretty strong. Um, I actually feel quite nervous about this as a series. You're a Leafs fan ingrained uh, into your DNA you've got to be nervous at this point well I don't think you're a proper fan if you're not pessimist um, but I don't know like just they're kind of I just wonder CBJ always to me feel like a club that is hungry they don't always put their, their ducks in the right order and kind of pull away from it and I'm not really sure about their goaltending because it's really like a 50-50 kind of they've, they haven't really got a number one they've got two number twos I kind of think um, so I'm not really sure about that point of view. Uh, and I, you know, I was reading uh, when it's when it's your team. You're obviously like clued into what the other team doing. Hearing um, John Tortorello saying, "I don't think that our key players are turning up in the way that they need to be turning up right now." Um, whether that's just his style, he's obviously got quite an aggressive coaching style. He's almost like kind of shaming and pushing his guys to like you know, build up that kind of aggression within them. And if they do come out and be quite aggressive, very physical, we know already as Leafs fans that that's our weakness. Like defensively, we have holes. We don't have the kind of physical aspect, but we have speed skill and we have a great goalie in Freddie Anderson. Uh, So I feel like this is going to be one that goes to game five. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. I, uh, we'll be we'll be watching the three thirty a.m. game. Uh, 
I think I, I think a lot is going to come down to, and so much of the many, you could say this about every series, but so much of this series is going to come down to goaltending for the Leafs, on the Leafs' point of view anyway, because there's no doubt the Leafs are more likely to outscore Columbus. That should be a no-brainer. But, you know, are Columbus going to be able to get a few early goals in a game and then kind of block up defensively and then kind of frustrate the Leafs? I can see that happening. Um, but I think if 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 Freddie or, you know, if if it ends up being Jack Campbell who comes in for a Freddie or whatever, if the Leafs can get some decent goaltending and they can just, you know, have an okay defensive display, I think their firepower is just going to be too much. And I think, they, you know, I was hearing, again, I think it was Jeff Merrick talking about, or Elliot Friedman talking about it, he's saying the Leafs can outscore teams. And even with bad defence or bad goaltending performance, Leafs and Tampa are probably two teams that can outscore their problems that'll probably work against Columbus uh, whether it'll work in the next round against a you know a Boston or a Tampa I don't know but I, I think the Leafs will win it I've got to say that because I can't bet against them but I don't think it'll go to five I think I'm going to go confident three and a half <laughs> I mean I've said Leafs will go through through gritted teeth like yes they will go through but uh, Matt as a, as a non-Leaf or Columbus Fan, who do you think? What what are you thinking out of that matchup from afar? I think uh, Toronto are going to win it because they're the more offensive team. But what I love about it is that Toronto will win a playoff round and they still won't have made it into the second round. Well, that's the thing because if we win the play-in and play then in. we lose in the first round, then technically we've still lost in the first round, which is yeah. which. Yeah, I don't think the least least won't be happy until what. To be honest, though. If it was normal season and the Leafs had kind of, if we'd have just gone through it as we should have done, I think the Leafs genuinely would have been happy with a first round win and getting to the second round with how the season played out in the end because it wasn't a great season really for the Leafs. But now with this kind of new enthusiasm and energy around the team at the moment, supposedly, then they seem to be going, well, we've got this flat cap coming that's going to absolutely cripple us in a year or two's time. Suddenly our window is shrunk because... And, you know, they're going to go for it. They're chucking in 18-year-olds. Nick Robertson's going to be playing on the third line at 18 years old. They're going full out. So we're going to win every game 7-5. <laughs> First podcast. I mean, and you're already saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, wow. I, haven't, I haven't said that. I haven't said that. I haven't said that. But we might get right past the first round. <laughs> well, when you come back to that question of who are the winners and the losers out of this pause, and a lot of what we talk about in this game is on mem- momentum. And... The Leafs were not stringing any momentum to go. Like this could not be a better opportunity for a team like Leafs right now because they were just all over the shop and they needed to stop and regroup, have a little word with themselves, watch a ton of video and like the coaches to really go through. I hope they were doing Zoom calls like every fracking day um, because this, I think they are a winner in this situation Injuries kind of uh, cleared, everyone's healthy, I'm touching wood. Um, and uh, so, you know, that, that's where for us, it, it could be great. But I imagine if you were a team that was kind of on a real running streak, you know, like you were saying, who were you saying, New, New York Rangers? Who was the guys you were just saying who kind of went yeah, on? Rangers, a... Rangers had a good February. You'd be just like, oh, for God's sake, just when we were getting back into it. Philadelphia yeah. were the team that were on the best form going into the, the lockdown. They were, they were nine, nine and one, I think. 
Yeah, see, they're they're a it, that that ultimately we've I mean we've just spent probably forty minutes going through all what we think is going to happen, and ultimately the answer to every single one of these is we don't know because we don't we we have no idea what the teams are going to be like when they when they start and I'm sure you know I'm saying that you know there's this enthusiasm around Toronto and all this kind of stuff and they think the kids are going to win it and and all this kind of stuff I'm sure that whatever market you follow and whatever market you're listening to the kind of coverage coming out of they're all saying that and they're all saying that this is a great opportunity I'm sure there's articles in Minnesota right now that are saying this is the wilds year to prove everybody wrong that we're not this boring team that no one cares about like I don't know. I think we're going to know way more once the play-ins and the round robins have happened, because then at least there'll be some more, there'll be newer data to kind of go through and, and to see where teams are. But I think at this point, who knows, everything we've just said could be reversed and no one will be overly shocked. So well, you're saying we shouldn't have bothered talking about it? Nah, because hey, <laughs> I quite happily see it for another three hours and talk hockey. I've missed it this Absolutely. much. Right. But it is it it should be called Who Knows this episode. Yeah. You know, just well, like who knows. Funny enough, I've just written that down on my post-it yes. note because the hardest bit I forget of doing this podcast is coming up with A, a title, and B, a picture. Um so I will go away and uh, figure that out whilst we prepare ourselves. Uh, make sure you get a good night's sleep for the next few nights. Uh, I'm not watching the exhibition game live tonight. I've got tomorrow morning set aside first thing in the morning. I've got my little blanket. I've got my little, you know, I've got my little sofa prepped here with my notepad, with my wall chart. I'm full on geeking out. Like my phone is going off, notifications turned off. Don't forget that. How many? We're going to have to get back into retraining ourselves not to look at Twitter and all of this kind of stuff. Um, I'm going for. So I'm working kind of later tomorrow, but I'm probably going to watch it after. So tomorrow evening. So I'm blanking out social media from tomorrow until tomorrow evening. And then on a, a one of those wonderful moments where the, the gods shine down is when I had a look at the schedule and the, and the fixtures. And this weekend, obviously, the Leafs have got their first couple of games. And I am doing a couple of night shifts this weekend. So for the first Leafs game, I will be up and awake. And of course, my boss isn't listening to this, but of course, I'll be just following it, you know, under the text commentary, definitely not watching it. Well, I have just turned my notifications off. Very good. Matt, what about you? What are your plans for the Dallas games coming up? Uh, we've got a couple of 1130s for our playing. So, yeah, I'll probably try and stay up and watch those. But I think... Anything later than that, I'll be getting up in the morning, notifications off and, and watching as live. That's Surely it. this for you is a, is a training of other sorts of staying up all, at, all night and uh, having to test yourself in how long you can stay awake for and how sleep deprivation is going to become the new norm. Well, I'm looking forward to getting up in the middle of the night and watching ice hockey while doing feedings. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to the moment that you present the uh, the feeding night schedule that might somewhere link up to the Dallas Stars schedule next season. Well, all in preparation. Uh, whatever you are doing, however you are going to be consuming hockey, listening hockey, watching hockey... Uh, doing it on the sly whilst you're on the job. How good is it when you work from home? So many of you be like, so good, because you can pretend you're working, doing a Zoom meeting, but actually behind your laptop is the TV with it on. 
whatever you need to do, do it. You can confess all you wish to us. You can DM us and tweet us at NHL fans from afar. We promise to not tell your boss. You can email us NHL fans from afar at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify. Uh, and we'll be back next week somehow around the Leafs game before or after or something. Uh, but welcome back. Hockey's here. Get the hell in. <laughs> <laughs>